Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about modifying exercises around pain. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Ronald Show. I'm here with a partial crew from Champion PT and Performance up in Boston answering your questions. Anything you guys want to talk about, head to MikeRonald.com, click on that podcast link, and you can fill out the form to ask us questions. So let me see. I'm joined today with Kevin Coughlin, Mike Scudetto, Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, and Lenny Macrina, an, an intimate crowd, we'll, we'll say today, as you know, we're growing at Champion and have more people, but we're scattered all over the place. So, so an intimate crowd. We'll call we'll call the next series of podcasts. But Len, in contrast, we have we've mm. quite the opposite of an intimate crowd of our students right now. We have a probably our largest series of students we've ever had. But Len, <laughs> one what to do we one got ratio. Today? <laughs> yeah, we have a one to one ratio fine. of students and therapists. <laughs> which, which right, is fine. amazing. <laughs> um, we have, in no particular order, uh, we have Nancy Kuhn comes was from Connecticut, but via Mary Baldwin University in Virginia. We have Courtney Camborellis from Duville, Duville in Buffalo. Sorry about your bills. Uh, Danielle Rankin from Franciscan Missionaries of Our Ladies University College. There's nothing, just stop at ladies. Um, in Louisiana, we have Tommy Gisson, 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 Gisson. Soft G or hard G, Tommy? Yes. Silent high G. Point, si- listen, high Point University in North Carolina. We have Corey Arnold. Comes to us from my friend uh, George Davies in Georgia Southern. And finally, way out west, John McDonald from the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. Do we have to rethink these student intros? Like, do we do we need to do we just hold the piece of paper up? You want to hear about the students? And, and they're not like Duke. They're not easy okay. names. I'm going to chat. That's a good, that, that's actually a good point. That is why I stopped introducing the students. <laughs> like, I can't do this anymore. Mary Baldwin is like, like King Arthur's college. Like, wherever King Arthur went to school. That's like Mary Baldwin, seventh of his name, of his legacy. <laughs> All right, Len, we're going we're gonna to nail Tommy's name next episode. I believe in you. I think it's, I think it's going to be good. Is it weird that I had like Thunderstruck on in my head while you were doing that? Like I was like nodding my head to the beat of Thunderstruck while you were, while you, while you're introducing all of them. And it almost felt like like yeah. a like a wedding procession where they'd come out, you'd announce exactly. them. And they, anyway, that's kind of what you guys look like on video right now too, with the 
with the V thing you guys got. Anyway, all right, let's get to the question. Who's reading today's question? Why don't, why don't you just say like hi and introduce you by your, your first name too, just since there's a million of you, but yeah. Danielle going alpha. I like it. Danielle's up. Nice. Okay. We have Val from Chicago says, I'm often sent people with diagnoses like patellofemoral pain. How do you modify exercises if the person does not have any pain during the exercise, but reports an increase in symptoms that night or the next day? That's a great question. I, and, and I like that. That's like a good, good, like, you know, when you just get started in your career, this is probably something that you come across a decent amount of time, right? And Val, you said patellofemoral pain, which you know, I guess could mean a lot of different things. But, you know, this is pretty common with tendinopathies and, you know, you know, that sort of type of uh, of pathology. So um, no issues during your session and during their exercises, but there's an increase in symptoms that night, the next day. Who wants to start this one off? Dave? Yeah, I was just talking to the students about this with back pain. So it's fresh of mind. Uh, they were asking about people who have you know soreness the next day after exercising their back or two days later. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I just slept wrong. And in this case, it might be, I don't know, like, oh, I stepped up a stair wrong. And, and I just find that's kind of not true just because we're generally more resilient than that. Like, like one step probably won't, you know, make your patellar tendinopathy flare up like crazy. But I think generally what happens is it's the accumulation of two to three days of activity that they really don't realize because they're just busy, right? Like when you're doing stuff and you have to carry things or you're going downstairs or you, you have to bring stuff in from the car, like you don't notice a lot of that stuff unless it's really, really bad. But what happens is that over the course of walking all day, standing all day, doing stuff, and then maybe going to the gym and exercising, it's like you go to sleep, you wake up and the next day when you're fresh and you get up and you're kind of like only focused on your knee, like, oh, my knee's kind of bugging me right now. And that happens a lot with back pain. People get like two or three days go by neck pain that goes by and like, oh, I just slept wrong. It's just a little irritable. So I would say usually it's like a, a time to kind of step back and like, hmm, like what are you doing the other three days? Were there exercises we did maybe that are new in your exercise program or we added a new more like knee-based exercise, like a goblet squat versus maybe we were trap bar deadlifting or something that's a little bit more loading on the knee. And it's not bad or good. It just is, right? And so you can just kind of play around with what happened the last three days and then try to, you know, dig through the uh, the the ideas there about what you can do. That's my my usually most common thing I find. I feel like you just described my mornings right there. I think that was, I think that, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that was, that was perfect right there. But um, I like that. And, and I like, I think that's a good concept here is that people are with us for an hour, right? And they're, they're not with us for the, the other times of the days. And you have to like put all that together. You know, if you didn't feel it during that exercise, maybe it's a, a total combination of some of the things you did. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah. I was just going to say related to what Dave said. Um, I think, Back pain and neck pain is a good example of that, where sometimes if they have like a flexion-based low back pain, you don't necessarily do a great job educating about how to modify positions at home. You see that quite a bit. Like they'll go home and sit at work or or they flew over the weekend or something like that, and then their back's all jacked up. So I think related to knee pain, uh, if it is like a telephemoral type thing, uh, understanding that you get a lot of that bony contact between the patella and the trochlea when the knees flexed. So a lot of times those sitting positions, uh, prolonged sitting is going to flare it up. So I feel like with that specific injury, uh, and I'd like, you know, maybe hear your guys thoughts, but I think that's one where you probably get some pain during the exercise. Uh, if you're getting that bony contact. So if you're doing, you know, deep squats and things like that, the person's, you know, I, I would think is going to feel some pain during activity. Um, and if it's really just later on, then I would really sit down with the person and figure out 
you know, what else are you doing at home that we can try to modify right now? Uh, and then also just look at your programming and, and think, you know, what what exercises are putting a lot of stress through the knee joint here. And, you know, sometimes temporarily you got to reduce the amount of knee flexion with things like that um, and maybe double down on hip exercises until they start to feel a little bit better and then add back in some of the more strenuous exercises. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. And and I would even add like even more to than just, you know, bony, you know, uh, you know, articular cartilage and, and bone type things, but even a tendinopathy, if you sit in a sustained position or if you're in a sustained posture of any sort for a lot, a large amount of time, especially chronic tendinopathy, tendinosis type thing, those first movements are definitely like that. I got to get that tendon moving again. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great way of thinking of it as well, Kevin. I like that. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I know I've talked about this before in the podcast, but I'm, I'm just a big fan of the pain monitoring model. And this is an educational process for a patient as soon as they walk through the door. So essentially, I give us some guidelines in terms of what's okay from an exercise perspective. And that's generally below five out of 10. For some people, I take that down a bit. The other piece is like if someone has a red flag, pain is not acceptable. So it really depends on the diagnosis. If you have a stress fracture, like no pain is okay, right? I'm not going to use this this system, right? But something like patellofemoral pain, low back pain, lots of research and tendinopathies. One of the first things I tell patients is that we want to make sure the pain is below five out of 10 and you should feel back to your baseline the following day. And if you're not back to your baseline, then we did something a little bit off with your training program. And then to kind of go a step further, it's, it's not just back to your baseline in terms of how you feel. Generally, you select an exercise. So let's say you have patellofemoral pain, do a squat, all right, it's my normal three out of 10 pain. And then essentially you go through your program the next day, you do another squat, right? And if you're at an eight out of 10 pain now, that was too much. And the other educational process I go through with my patients and I say like, Hey, this is an experimental process. I don't know how your knee or your back or your neck is going to behave. I'm going to guess the best to my abilities, what exercise is going to be best for you. We'll see how I feel the following day. We might have to tweak things. And the other thing I tell patients all the time is that physical therapy is kind of like making soup get a little salt, put in the soup, then you taste it. If it needs a little more salt, you put a little bit more in until you get to the perfect flavor, right? If you take a whole handful of salt and throw it in the soup, you may ruin it. So if you do too much early on, even if it feels really good, the next day, just keep in mind, the person might be really, really sore. Um, and the last piece I'll say is that I don't. oftentimes you can't get away with no pain the next day. So I just educate patients mm -hmm. and say like, hey, there's, I'd be really surprised if you weren't a little bit extra sore tomorrow. We did a lot today. And I think as long as week to week, month to month, people making pro progress, you're in the right place. And the pain is not as important, you know. That, that's a great way of thinking of it, Dan, and, and very helpful, I think, to a lot of people that are just getting started with these sorts of things. Um, you, you're not expected to nail it on your first attempt, right? You know, we do our best with trying to pick an exercise that's going to load enough, but not underload, you know, right? Or overload, right? So, you, you know, it's it's you're trying to figure out the right dosage of our workloads. And sometimes we're off a little bit and you have to adjust. As long as you pivot, I think that's fine. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is that we're talking about some symptoms the next day, but you know, there's a reason why you don't deadlift every day, just as an example, right? Is, you know, you're expected to have a little soreness, like Dan said. Um, but you know, if it's recovered by that second day, I think I would probably feel a little comfortable too, but, um, let me throw this to Mike or, or Len or one of you guys, but you know, this is a little, you know, I think this scenario, there's no pain with the exercise, but they're sore mm -hmm. the next day. Do you, do you modify the exercise? Do you think it's the exercise? Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Mike? 
Well, I mean, I, I, again, I think it comes down to the diagnosis and patellofemoral pain sometimes is kind of like a junk, junk term where there could be a couple of different things going on. So I think you, you probably would need to know more about what type of symptoms they're feeling, where they're feeling it um, to really get a better idea of, of whether exercise would cause that kind of symptom. Um, so I don't necessarily know if I have a great answer for you. Yeah, that, that's it's acceptable. I mean, we don't always we, we don't always know, right? It depends is is a good answer, right? What do you think, right. Len? Yeah, I think it depends. I think it's them defining <clears throat> what those symptoms are the next day. I think they're so I don't know mentally freaked out by the pain that they were experiencing that they feel something the next day. I think they immediately associate that with the negative connotation that it's their pain is back, their pain is returning. So we have to like I think like Dan Dan said it. Oh well, that fitness pain free. My God. Um, but I think defining what they're failing and it, we expect something normally sore after the um, exercise. But is it that soreness or is it that pain that brought them to see us? And they have to they have to define that. To try to define a level of it, and then yeah, maybe back off a little. But I, I would reassure them um, that. Some of it is normal and we can push through a little bit depending on what we think is going on. And we oftentimes don't know what's going on. <laughs> but that, that feeling afterwards, to me, to me, it's a little bit more tendony, soft tissue where you get like moving helps uh, create a pain-free environment and then they go to bed and then they wake up and they feel stiff and that soreness. And I think that's that whatever inflammatory markers or whatever is going on in that area just needs to be moved and moved out and renourished by new snow fluid. And then they oftentimes feel better and then they are back you know, feeling good about things again. So I think it's, it's coaching them through that. We were literally cheerleading this half the time when we're trying to um, you <laughs> I, know, add exercise. I think that's a good way of saying it though, but that is part of our clinical expertise and what we have right. to, to determine is our judgment call on if that's an acceptable yeah. increase in symptoms, if that was almost an intentional increase in symptoms at the time, or if it's something else. Uh, wait, Mike, what else you got? Well, I was going to make the flip ar- flip side argument that, you know, mm. it seems like exercise has an, an analgesic effect. Um, so, I mean, we're decreasing your symptoms with exercise, maybe. <laughs> and obviously, you came to us because your knee was hurting. So, it seemed to have a pretty positive effect with exercise, even though it tends to kind of flare up the next day. Um, but in terms of exercise modification, right, I would imagine quad strength is a big goal um, for this patient population. If it, if they can't tolerate the maybe compression force at the patellofemoral joint um, in different degrees of knee flexion, this may be a patient where you, you do a week or two of like blood flow restriction training um, to try and decrease joint stress while also building quad strength and then revisit your exercises. Um, you know, after if you've retest quad strength and you, you've been able to increase quad strength without a ton of joint stress and then see how they tolerate the exercise from there. Yeah, that's some that's a great um like way to look at it. I think Mike too is there's there's probably some fear avoidance going on here. There's probably some some anxiety about these symptoms, right? Maybe they've been going on for a while. Maybe they you know don't have a high pain tolerance for this sort of thing. Um, I think that's absolutely right. Anything you could do to to keep them moving and to adjust, right, and to do different things would would be very beneficial and almost like a learning process for their body. So um, great episode. I I, I think it's good. I I think Val. I think the important component here is that. This 
this is pretty normal. I think we all deal with this almost every day with our patients to some extent. So, um, you know, this sort of thing's normal. I think for you, it just, it just enters into that algorithm in your head of, of how do you, uh, modify and adjust just based on the presentation of the person in front of you. Um, so, you know, I, I think with reps, you'll start to see what works and what doesn't works and works is that what works and what doesn't work. Um, but, um, I, I think, I think overall, I think that's the process that, that we would probably follow is to not panic. Right. I think that's one thing that I think the students appreciate from us a little bit here because I mean, people come in with some really bad stuff with us. Like they're, they, you know, they're Tommy John, like non-op rehab, they throw for the first time, you know, their, their ligaments killing them. And our job is to say, let's just see how it is tomorrow. We'll, we'll get there. We're going to, we'll take a step back. We're not going to panic. Right. Although I'm, texting my surgeon friends, but whatever. Right. But I'm not going to articulate that to the patient. Right. I think that's the key component. So Val, great question. If you have a question like that, head to micron.com, click on that podcast link and be sure to subscribe, rate and review us on Apple and Spotify, whatever it is that you use. We would really appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to micron.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.